2: Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Sports Illustrated's Fan Nation. I'm Hondo Carpenter. This is our Las Vegas Raiders Insider Podcast. With our good friend and colleague, Matt Halatic from spun.com the editor and publisher. Matt, good to have you, friend.
3: Always a pleasure to be on, and uh, we're about to hit August, hitting the dog days of summer. All
2: right, here we are on Monday, still a couple days away from pads coming on, but first week of training camp is underway, and I got a few things I want to I want to talk to you about. Number one, most people get super excited because this time of year, If your offense looks bad, it's terrible. If it looks good, we don't know. And if it looks great, it should because the defense isn't hitting. So every play goes for a touchdown. If you got a wide receiver out on a route, the guy's going to get his hands up and try to cover it, but he's not going to put his hands on the guy. Nobody's going to the ground. And so I try to caveat all my coverage with people understanding there's no pads. And I know people are excited and they love it, but that is a huge thing to remember. Football's played with pads, and it's played with physicality, <clears throat> and that's not going on right now. I think that's important for people to understand. What do you think? Do you think I do you think I'm, I tap the brakes? Am I a buzzkill or, or what do you think?
3: No, I think you need to apply that perspective. I mean, obviously, if your offense comes in, in you know seven on seven red zone or 11 on 11 without hitting and they look terrible and there's quarterback stone interceptions or there's no chemistry at all. It's a little bit of an alarming sign because, um, you know, unless they're really working on some specific things and they don't care about, you know, being efficient and and what kind of numbers they put up, it can be alarming because you're saying, okay, should be a little better than this. But I think you really, it's tough to judge until pads come on, um, and then, even when you get into preseason games, you know, we're seeing with the reduced preseason game schedule, teams take a different approach with how they play some of their better, you know, their first string guys. It was always maybe a series or two in the first game. Same thing in the second game. And the third game was basically almost like a tune up where they played a oh, half or three quarters. Now there's only three games, and you're seeing some teams hold their best players out. So, you really, no matter what, level of preseason is you always have to kind of temper expectations a little bit of race
2: Hmm. okay I'll give you another one rookies now you can look at guys without pads and OTAs mini camps and and even the first week of camp who are veterans and say you know that guy's looking really really good I don't think you can make any of those observations on rookies I'll give you an example Aiden O'Connell the quarterback of Purdue, many thought if he would have come out as a junior, it would have been a first-round draft pick. The kid in his first OTAs and second held the ball too long, but that's normal. It wasn't a criticism like the kid can't play in the NFL. Then you go to can Kent, got better. Last OTA, got better. But he came in last week, very accurate, which he's always been, but he was extremely um good with the ball, didn't hold it too long. Here's the problem. I don't care who you are as a rookie. He doesn't have Max Crosby and Chandler Jones coming to kill him. He doesn't have Divine Diablo, Robert Spillane coming at him. He isn't throwing against Mark. I mean, well, I guess he is, but I mean when them being able to do what they do with their right. hands on bodies, a Marcus Peters, a Marcus Epps. So Do you agree with me even on rookies, it's even a bigger deal?
3: It is, and I think also when you get into one-on-ones in camp, you know, a running back in space and a one-on-one pass-catching drill against a linebacker, okay, you want to see him do some things, but you have to take into account, you know, is he putting a double move on the guy? Is he doing, you know, how is he getting open? Is it it something that's realistic to how he'd have to do it in a game? Uh, pass roughs one-on-ones with with young guys. Yeah, you can see the speed. You can see lesson, You see some of the tools, but again, not full pads. The linemen aren't, you know, doing what they would be doing to them in a regular game. So I think there's always things you have to look for certain attributes. Like you, like I think you said, you know, you look for the speed. You look for the size. You think you look for the competitiveness. You look for how comfortable they are just getting out there. And I think those are all things that you can kind of log in your mind and think about uh, going forward. But judging how they play and thinking that it will ultimately signify how they're going to play when the lights come on in September uh, is always a a little bit of a a fool's errand because it's, it's never exactly the same.
2: The SPUN covers all of college sports and all of pro sports. In my career, I've covered NBA, NHL, NFL, and Major League Baseball, and covered college hockey, college football, college basketball, even some baseball, whatever. Uh, I have never once had a organization tell me, you're too critical, you're not getting access. There have even been times when I've I've seen media members, um, I didn't cover a team, but there was an SEC one time. Butch Jones, as you know, is a very dear friend of mine. He's now the coach at Arkansas State. But when he was the coach at Tennessee, where people actually took his quotes and took them right out of context, and it was one of the most egregious Things I've ever seen a media member do in sports. They didn't lose their credentials. And I always hear fans will say, Oh, well, this reporter has to be careful what he says, or the team's going to pull his access, or this reporter's being told what to say, or they're on the company dying. And I laugh at that. Now, I'm not laughing at the person, but I laugh at that concept because you've been doing this a long time. I've had me, I've had organizations that hated what I said. I've had coaches call me two and three in the morning and gone over to their house to watch film with them when they disagreed. And, but I've never had that. I think that's a misnomer. And when you're professional, as long as it, you're not making it personal, I don't think that, that that that's ever an issue. Have you ever heard of that? Because It baffles me the amount of people, oh, you know, Hondo can't say that. I can say whatever I want.
3: I've heard, I mean, it happens to anybody who's ever written has gotten pushback, I think, from a coach or a PR member or a player over something negative they've written. It's not that they don't complain or try to... Give their side, or maybe sometimes they call you up and yell at you or scream at you because that's happened too. You know, it's not that they they just look at um, whatever whatever you say and, and allow you to say it without trying to fight, push back, or, or you know, you know, necessarily you know tell you that you're wrong or, or things like that. So that does happen. The only time in my experience where I've seen credentials pulled is if an outlet was conducting themselves almost egregiously unprofessionally in terms of, you know, or made error. Like, I, I remember a, a certain student reporter when I was covering college football was not allowed to come to practice for maybe a week or something like that because he was reporting on aspects of practice that the media wasn't allowed to report on and it was kind of i think he had something he'd been warned about and then he did it again and they were like listen you know you this is an agreement that the media has you can't write about this or publish stuff and you're you're breaking it so if you're being unprofessional you know you're you're breaking what the regulations are that's established between the media and the program or the organization then i've seen access get pulled or access get limited or or things like that in terms of criticism Usually, you don't see that. Now, listen, one thing that is true, if you're a beat reporter and you're there every day, you can't necessarily editorialize the way a columnist does or the way a sports radio person does. You can't. I can't write, if I'm a beat reporter, that so-and-so who struck out three times in the game is a bum and they need to get rid of him and this, that, the way – a sports radio person does because I got to come in the next day and deal with that guy and he's not going to be happy. Now I can say, listen, he didn't, he's not performing well. They might have to drop him in the order. They might have to get rid of him. They might have to bench him. And that's fair game. So there's certain things you have to do. You do have to conduct yourself professionally when you're there on a day to day basis, because you have to have a relationship interpersonally and professionally with those players and coaches you cover. But there really isn't in terms of pulling access with being critical um, there's some pushback yeah There's some tension, yeah, but it doesn't happen, from my experience.
2: Well, I agree with you, and I'm going to tell you, I uh, I don't think there has to be a difference between a beat writer and a radio guy and a columnist, because I don't think you should be calling people bums for their performance on a football field. I so agree with other that. Other than that, yeah. But you know yeah, there's something. I got, I, yeah, you know, I get your point. I, <laughs> I laugh, though. At how many people will send me comments? You need to tell them they're a filthy. Duh, 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 duh. Well, they wouldn't go tell that to the person's face. Sure. And it, it, when, when you're sitting on in, when you're sitting on the outside, but I try to ask a ton of tough questions. All right, next, I want to move to the next part because I thought this was really really fascinating. Um. The Raiders have such a huge fan base. It's mammoth. And so national media and others that aren't national, just pop-up media, I call them, can write anything they want. And, man, click, 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 click. I'm going to give you a couple of them. And, again, I don't know who wrote these, so I'm not attacking anyone in particular, just – But oh, Josh Jacobs hasn't signed because Josh Jacobs doesn't like the roster that Josh McDaniels has built. No, (laughs) let me just say this guys in the NFL sign all the time because they want the money. Uh, And Josh Jacobs is not even remotely concerned about, you know, uh, that has nothing, when I say not concerned, he wants a good roster. But that has no value to him on why he hasn't signed. I'll give you another one. Devontae Adams secretly wants to be traded to Green Bay. No, he doesn't. I know this for a fact. And I can go on and on and on and tell you. Okay, here's another one. Um, I don't know where this one came from, but this was – uh, that Josh McDaniels was sent here by Bill Belichick to destroy the Raiders so that they're never able to compete against the, the Patriots. Well, here's the problem. The Raiders weren't competing against the Patriots before he got here. Bill needed <laughs> Bill needed Josh a lot more than, you know than than, than he needed him to come destroy the Raiders. I, I tell this to fans a lot, but I feel bad for Raider Nation. Because they get so much crap thrown at them. Now there are some really good beat reporters and I in no way think I'm the only one. There's some really, really good reporters that cover this team. And I would think you would want to talk to the people that are talking to the players, talking to the coaches that have the access to get you that information. And to me, I have talked about this for the three years I've covered the Raiders, but I think at some point fans have to begin to educate themselves and say, you know, that's not a source. I'm not even going to waste my time with it. Will you talk about that? It's like the spine. What I love about you guys, you will talk about every rumor, innuendo, and everything around the world of sports, but the one thing you don't do is you never talk about it from a place that is incredible. So when you talk about it, it's got legs. I respect that. I love that. Would you talk about that side, please?
3: Sure. I think there's so many things that get thrown out there. And I think especially now during the summer when there's a little bit of a lull and, um, you know, you're waiting for training camps to really pick up and preseason games and, and, you know, you'll see a lot of sensationalism. So I, I think it's always, you have to take everything that you see and not to mention, there's also things that you see more prevalence where there's fake tweets and fake accounts out there, um, on Instagram, uh, you know, on Twitter or X or whatever it's called now, and they, uh, they kind of make things up or they take things totally out of context and, you know, it's. And sometimes people can't tell the difference. And I think you always have to kind of examine the source of where things are coming from. And you have to look at the, um, you know, how reputable they are, if they might have some type of connection to a a certain uh, one of their sources, if they might have an agenda, things like that. Um, To me, one of the things that will always... Uh, I always find funny is a lot of times, you know, we, a lot of our content is aggregated where we will find what's going on, whether it's stuff that's been tweeted, that guys say, um, quotes from, you know, a guy, Josh McDaniel says something in an open presser, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll take it off Twitter and contextualize it, things like that. But I always found it funny that you'll get fans of, this isn't specific to any fan base who will see something on our site and get mad that we wrote it and say that you don't know what you're talking about. You don't know. And I'm like, we didn't come up with this. We cook it from somewhere else. Get mad at them. If there's something, it's not my opinion. I'm not saying it. It's, and so I do think you always have to take a step back and kind of examine the source, examine the story and say, okay, what does this mean? is this something that is of a, you know, eminent concern, right, right away, or is it something that can kind of be, you know, thrown on the back burner or just thrown out completely? So I think that that's something that the Raider fans and any fan base should do.
2: Yeah. I think, it, I think it's terribly important. You know, I think it's important for a lot of reasons. I love, and, and you know, this, I love the passion of Raider fans. They're awesome. I don't blame them for being mad. Your organization has sold you on just win baby and it hasn't won. You should be upset about that. That should bother you. You should make you angry. You know, I'll, I'll give you another one, but you know, and it's very small. I reported and, you know, it was the first. I didn't expect Hunter Renfro to be on the team when the season starts. And, I've shared with you a little bit behind the scenes wh- where I'm coming from. and But I've never said it's imminent, he's gone, whatever, because it's not. I've said the Raiders want to keep him. They're not going to give him away. They're not going to cut him. And, and so, you know, you'll see people that will say, oh, but you, you're never right. You said, you know, you guaranteed or you said Renfro was going to be here. Well, I've never said it. I've said it. I'd be shocked if he was, because, and I've shared with you some of the behind the scenes of why I feel that way. It's just important, I think, for fans. get. I, I want them to consume as much information as they can. Just make sure they're getting it from right places. Because here's the problem. When you keep going and click, 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 click to things that aren't accurate or spread false information about your team, it hurts your team. Uh, let's go to the next page now. Vegas. And the Raiders, the, the way that this team is, is pursuing the year, they're scheduling off days for Jimmy Garoppolo, not because he's hurt, but literally to be safe, just to, hey, right now, this time of the year, we don't need to rush it. I'm going to ask you a few questions. Number one, last year they didn't play Derek Carr in any preseason games. They're meaningless. It's very risky. I think you play him in a lot of, you know, games and practice where it's controlled. But do you put him out there during preseason games, considering how much he didn't play last year? Do you roll the dice and play him in the preseason? Or do you wait?
3: Um, I have one question before that. Do the Raiders have joint practices with another team or anything like that? Who do they play? Just wondering. Uh, The
2: Niners and the Rams.
3: Okay, so that's really been one of the newer things. I mean, teams have been doing that for decades, but I feel like there's been a bigger emphasis placed on that in the NFL in recent years of doing a lot more things in the controlled uh, combined practices as opposed to in preseason games. I would think that the Raiders, if I'm the Raiders, I want to get him as many reps as I can in those situations so he has some game-like reps and you get to see him out there with his teammates without throwing him into the preseason game. I see the argument for saying, hey, maybe give him a series or two, just kind of see things. But here's my question. You give him, a if you bring him out there, if it's the second preseason game, third preseason game, whatever, you're probably going to If you're smart, you're calling plays in that situation to be careful with him. You don't want him doing too much. And my question is this. If you call, come out in your first series, you know, a handoff to whoever, then maybe, you know, a quick three-step drop, out pattern, just dump it off. Maybe you roll out, things like that. Yeah, you see him move. You see him do a little bit of stuff on the field with his teammates in a game. But you're not playing for very long. And you're going to limit what he does, so he doesn't have a chance to get hurt. Is it even worth doing it at all, or are you better off just doing it in the c- controlled practices? And I kind of lean more towards that.
2: Yeah, my opinion is if you're if, if what you're going to do doesn't matter, mm-hmm. then it doesn't matter, right? And I love the controlled practices, and uh, I agree with you, hundred percent. We're in total agreement. All right, next question I have for you, and 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 I. Or I want to discuss with you because I think it's really big. Devontae Adams, this guy never ceases to amaze me. Now I have I have all the respect in the world for Devonte Adams. He's out there grabbing guys that aren't going to make this team on defense, giving pointers. He is helping young receivers. I, I've never said this publicly. I've said it privately. <clears throat> He's a statesman of the game. And I think that's pretty cool. What Are you surprised at this stage in his career, all the money, all the success, all the accolades, at how he has progressed into who he is today?
3: Well, listen, I mean, you're talking about a guy who's been one of the better receivers in football for a while now, is probably on a Hall of Fame track in his career. So it would be easier for him to kind of just settle in and say, you know, I've got my money. I, I know what I'm doing. Um, you know, I guess – maybe help some other receivers here and there, but you know, not necessarily be as hands on as he is with, like you said, guys on defense or other areas of the team. But to me, what I think it signifies is a guy who's passionate about his craft and is passionate about winning. And yeah, when he came to Vegas, um obviously the draw to play with Derek Carr was there and, and that was a big reason and everything. And he he wanted but he wanted to win. They didn't win enough last year. And you know, I, obviously this year, you don't want to have a repeat of 2022. So he wants to win. I think it, his commitment there is, I'm going to make this as, as good as possible as I can for everybody else. He, you know, I'm, I only have a few years left, so to speak, you know, you know, your career as a football player, as good as he is, it's always, you know, limited, you know, how much time you have left to, to play at a high level. So you might as well maximize. It. And I think that's what he's trying to do, not just with the way he plays the game but with the way he approaches the game. And um, I think that's certainly a good sign for the Raiders in terms of his commitment. Um, Now, again, you know, depending how the season goes, you'll see how his future is with the franchise after that, but going into 2023, I think it's a great
2: sign. Yeah, I do too. Last one on the Raiders today. And I appreciate you doing this man next week. We're going to have just piles and notes to discuss But one of the things that I find interesting about Josh McDaniels, and I'm not, I'm just, it's, I find it interesting. And I think fans would, his practices are short. You know, they're not, you know, now that they're not doing two and three a days anymore, they're keeps them between an hour and a half, two hours. They spend a ton of time in air conditioned classrooms, um, Everybody does the the, the um, test at the beginning of camp to make sure you're in shape. But once these guys prove they're in shape, hey, we're not going to sit here and run sprints all day. We're not going to sit here and do all that. <clears throat> we want to be teaching you, teaching you, teaching you, teaching you, teaching you. The players love that. And not just because they're sitting in air conditioning. He is one of the few coaches that teach the Why? He never gets mad at them. Hey, why are we doing this? And I've, I've had players before come to me. You've, you've been a friend of mine for 15 years almost, uh, close to it. I mean, uh, maybe, what is it, 12 or 13? I don't remember.
3: Yeah, 12 or 13. Yeah, it's a long time.
2: Yeah, and you've seen me report stories. Remember the one story I reported where I was almost given a playbook and told look at how stupid some of this stuff was and all the controversy that went with that and but they love it because if they don't understand the why it's hard to get a player to give you their best Mm -hmm. what do you think of josh's using the classroom not as much time on the field answering the why bringing the players in well i think it's it's a sort of an example of the
3: newer approach you're seeing with football. I think you're seeing, like you said, the two and 3 days of camp of old are gone. There's not as much hitting. You don't have as much practice time as you used to, so you have to maximize what you do have. And I think that that is the way he's choosing to do it. He's trying to keep his players fresh, keep their minds fresh. And the point that you did make, I think, was – when you have to, when you get to your professional level at any sport, those guys or women, they're the best in the world at what they do. And you can't tell them to do something and just demand it of them the way, you know, a high school coach does or a youth football coach or, you you know, something like that. You have to be able to convey to them why you're doing it and why you believe it will work because they're going to tune you out if it's something that is just kind of a drill sergeant way of doing things or, you know, you're telling them what to do and they have a question about it, but you're just kind of saying this, we're doing it this way because I said so, that's not going to work. You have to have some type of give and take with professional athletes at that level, and no matter what sport it is, and I think that that's important because now you can see for yourself, if you're a player, uh, this is why we're doing this, you get that interactive session with your coaching staff where you can bounce different things off of them and say, okay, if I see this out there, how do I adjust? Or can we do it this way instead? Or, you know, it, it helps foster those kind of working relationships. So listen, I do think of course there's going to be people saying if they get off to a slow start, should have had more physicality and can't, you should have did things this, this way, this, that way. There's always different ways of doing things. And you as a coach, you always tweak your methods a little bit the longer you've been around. Um, but I understand what he's going for here. and I understand that approach. And I think that kind of holistic approach uh, is catching on a little bit more
2: around the NFL. All right. He's Matt Halatic from Spun.com. I'm Hondo Carpenter from Sports Illustrated's Fan Nation, Las Vegas Raiders Insider Podcast, part of the Fans First Sports Network. We'll catch you again next week. Thanks, everybody. I'm Alex Rodriguez.
1: At LuckyLandSlots.com,
0: available to players in the U.S. excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18+ plus. Terms and conditions apply.
2: This has been a Las Vegas Raiders insider production on the Fans First Sports Network. Whoa. Whoa.
1: 18 plus.